God has watered the church with faith. O holy martyrs, pray for our souls. They were human torches, dismembered and prodded with spears. Your blood has watered the church with faith. O holy martyrs, pray for our souls. All this they bore nobly when they foresaw their coming death, their unwithering crowns and the glory of Christ. As favored ones they pray for our souls. Your blood has watered the church with faith. O holy martyrs, pray for our souls. See it? You see the cloud? If you don't, you need to look with the eyes of your heart. You see it? See over there? There's Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Jonathan, Daniel, Ezekiel, Elijah, the unnamed widow of Zarephath, Peter and Paul and James and John, Philip and Thomas. There's Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, Bartholomew, Matthias. You see the cloud? We're surrounded, aren't we? Totally surrounded. Did you see it? That's what was read in the epistle. Therefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us, looking, again seeing, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So what's this all about? What's this cloud for? Exactly what you just sang in the refrain. Your blood has watered the church with the faith of the holy martyrs. Pray for our souls. Faith, watered with faith. What do you need in your life, perhaps more than anything else, if you are going to live in this age what you need is faith. Every one of you wants faith. I want faith. I want more faith. You want more faith. You pray for more faith. You wish you had more faith. But you need more faith and you struggle for it and sometimes you don't get it, do you? How do you get it? There's two essential ways that were given in the epistle today. Therefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. That's number one. And number two, the sin which so easily besets us. I'm not going to deal with the second today because it's so simple to tell you. You need to lay aside the sin which so easily besets you.
You know what your sins are. I don't have to stand here and tell you what they are. I know what my sins are. I don't need any great light from heaven to show me. I know my sins. But it's the laying aside of the weight. And that's what I'm going to deal with in this homily today. Did you see him? He was over there. His name was Jonathan. Do you know what he did? He put foreign armies to flight. I'm named after him. There's a marvelous passage in the Old Testament about Jonathan. It went this way. One of you shall chase a thousand. And two of you shall chase ten thousand. Two soldiers. Oh, they were well trained. Both David and Jonathan. Jonathan, the son of Saul. David, the son of Jesse. And one of the fathers of our faith. They knew how to handle a sword. David didn't know how to use only a slingshot. He was really good with a sword. And Jonathan was not just good with a bow, though that bow was very important at one point, but he was good with a sword. And they literally, the two of them, held off a foreign army and put them to flight. Remarkable. How do two, how does one chase a thousand and two ten thousand? I love that exponential improvement there. How do they do that? They do it only one way. They do it by, you answer, faith. They do it by faith. It's impossible and it is stupid to try it without faith. You've got to have a reason. You've got to have confidence that it's actually going to happen, that you're not going to get your head cut off with 10,000 people chasing you. You're the one doing the chasing. Or Elijah. It says women receive their dead back to life. There is more than one case in the Old Testament. But Elijah, the fool laying himself out on the body of a dead child. And he comes back to life. How did it happen? It happened by faith. Now, where are our problems with faith? They're really simple, folks. Number one, we simply often just don't think about the need for faith. We just ignore it. We look at our situation and we say, oh, it's impossible. As you will no doubt hear today, the offer we made on a piece of property was rejected. And for the moment, we're just dismissing the entire thing, that particular piece of property, at least for now. So what do we say? We gotta be out of here by February the 1st. Where are we gonna have church on February the 1st? I haven't the slightest idea where we're gonna have church on February 1st. Maybe it'll be at the holiday and I have no idea where we're going to be on February 1st. Nor am I particularly worried about it. Why? We haven't been sloppy. We haven't been lazy. We haven't failed to use due diligence. We have done what we need to do. Now what are we going to do? What we're going to do is we're going to weep. Oh, Lord. We don't have any place to go. We're going to get to February 1st, and there's no place. We're going to give our church is going to die. No one will come back. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa is me. Well, that's what we tend to do, isn't it? How many times in your life have you been faced with circumstances that you thought were absolutely impossible? Well, many. And what do we do when we get there? You know, usually we do one of three things. 
one's okay, one's really bad, and the third is what we need. One is we just scrap really hard. That's good. One is we moan and groan and wonder how we could be treated so badly and why has God abandoned us? He obviously doesn't care. You ever gotten into that mode? And the other is, whoa, we got a problem. We have got a serious major problem and I'm not going to deny the fact that we've got a problem. But we're going to do something about the problem. Number one, we're going to do whatever we know how to do. But number two, we're going to have to have faith that God's going to help us. For example, do you believe God cares about St. Anthony? Well, of course. Do you believe he wants us to have a place to worship? Well, of course. You've got to be, you know, that's dumb to even ask the question. Well, then, so what's going to happen? I haven't a clue. But in my heart, I'm absolutely peaceful. Now, we're going to work. We're going to do everything we know how to do. But we're not going to moan and groan and say, those dirty guys, they misled us, because they did. And God will take care of them. They're going to have to stand before the great dread judge of the seat of Christ, and the Lord's going to say, you told those people you do this for that, and you didn't. Now, that's really a bad thing, because you touched my church, and I don't like that. Well, that's their problem. May God have mercy on their souls. I mean it. But it's not just the issue of a church. It's our whole lives. The woman with her dead son. Oh, do I like that one. There she is. Her child is dead. She is destitute. She is absolutely poverty-stricken. She has absolutely no hope. She is going to die, and her child does die, and there's nothing left. And folks, she didn't have a whole lot of faith, but she had enough faith to share what she had with the prophet. And because she shared what she had with the prophet and demonstrated her faith that way, not only did she have plenty to eat, you remember the widow's cruise, her, the, 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 her little bottle of oil? Well, it just kept day after day, even though it was used, it kept coming back miraculously. So there's the miracle there, and then her child is raised from the dead. Or one of my favorite characters, perhaps my favorite Old Testament character, Daniel. You heard in the epistle, stop the mouths of lions. And you see him in there in the lion's den. There's Daniel down in the lion's den. He's supposed to be eaten alive. And here are the lions in there, and here's Daniel. And Daniel says, hold it, guys. You're not supposed to eat me. Where This is just, uh, you know, God put me here, and God put you here, you poor blessed lions. Only problem with you is you're going to go away hungry today. You're not going to have me to eat. I don't know what you're going to eat, but it's not going to be me. And Daniel escapes the mouths of the lions. Now, people. When you are in a lion's den, and there are lions ready to eat you, do you know what is going to happen? You are going to be eaten. That is what is going to happen. Unless there is some faith. Now, I would suggest that you don't take lessons on lion wrestling. I really don't think that's good preparation for a lion's den. 
I think the lions probably have figured out lion wrestling a long time ago on the part of humans. You won't make it at that. But when you find yourself, and in Daniel's case, for God's sake, that's why he was in the lion's den. Daniel got down there and he exercised faith or, as you heard in the epistle, escaped from the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I wish all of you knew every one of these stories. Honestly, I knew all those stories by the time I was 12. I knew them backwards and forwards and inside and out. And so when I hear the epistle read, I know every one of them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are you going to worship the golden image that I have set up? No! Well, then you're going to burn in a fiery furnace. And what God is able to deliver you out of my hand? Be it known unto you, O king, we will not fall down and worship your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. So, there. Okay, in you go. And the men who threw them in perished because the flame was so hot. And the choir sings at matins, or the chanters. They sing of the dewy breeze because in the midst of the flame of fire, there was a dewy breeze. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come out of the burning fiery furnace and they don't even smell singed. Do you know what happens when you get caught in a burning fiery furnace or anything burning in fire? You die! Unless there is faith. Now it's easy to take that side because all of the examples that I have used thus far are examples of people who triumphed through faith. But what you actually sang, what Valerie actually chanted, was the other side. Those who did get their heads cut off. Those who did wander about in caves and skins and caves of the earth. And those who were martyred for the cause. Those who died, those who weren't delivered. Now, what was true in their case? Are you listening, Jimmy? In spite of that, they had faith. What was their faith in? Their faith was in that there was a promise that would be fulfilled, that in spite of martyrdom, in spite of losing everything, in spite of total calamity coming down upon them, the day would come when they would ultimately triumph, and it was well worth the price. I can think of nothing more unfulfilling than to die for no cause with no faith. But to die with faith knowing that this is only such a transient and temporal life and that there is a promise of the kingdom to come. And as the hatchet comes down on your head, you're thinking, and I saw the heavens open and the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God as a bride, adorned for her husband. It's not so bad. It hurts. It's not so bad to lose your head. It's not so bad to be martyred. It's not so bad to be despised or ignored or hated when you know there's a promise.
Could you believe it? So whether it's to triumph or whether it's to lose, what's the common between the two groups that were read in the epistle? What's the common denominator? The common denominator of what Peter read was faith. They had faith that God would fulfill his promises toward them. God did not ever promise you that you will not be martyred. God did not ever promise you that you're going to have a lot of money. God did not ever promise you that your children would all turn out well. God did not ever promise you that every marriage would survive. God did not promise you that. You know what God promised you? That he would take care of you. And that if you exercise your faith, he would take you into his eternal kingdom. What more can you ask for, folks? What more would you ask for? Therefore, seeing, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, Deborah, Samson, Jephthah, David, Daniel, Jonathan, Peter, Paul, James, John, Leontius, the Hagarite, whose memory we celebrate today, the martyrs from Syria, whose memory we celebrate today. Seeing we are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, lay aside every weight. The impossibility of it being solved. Lay aside every weight in this sin, which so easily besets us. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God.